We turn back together now to the Old Testament and to the prophecy of Isaiah, to chapter 11, and we can read at the beginning of the chapter. Isaiah 11 and at verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And so on. We continue to think about the way in which we have the promise of the coming of the Son of God into the world down through the Old Testament. And when we begin to link all of these promises together, we can but marvel at the wise way in which God has spoken and the way in which he has planned for our salvation. And as we reflect on these passages, and and this chapter is one of the key passages, certainly in the prophecy of Isaiah, as we reflect upon these passages, we need to think, first of all, of the backdrop to everything that we have in the Old Testament. And the backdrop is that God has created the world and he has placed man in it for the purpose of filling the world and his creation with the image of God. That is part one of the backdrop. Following on from that, we have the fact that man sinned and fell from that paradise of God and threatened the very purpose of God by these sinful actions. Part two of the backdrop. Part three of the backdrop is that God promised in Genesis 3.15 that he would send the seed of the woman, one who would be born of the woman, and that he would bruise the head of the serpent. That is the backdrop for everything that you read down through the Old Testament. But along with the backdrop, we want to think of the focal point. We are coming from there. Everything begins there. But the Bible has a focal point. And the focal point is that God is making a new heavens and a new earth where there will be paradise, where there will be peace, where there will be no pain and no sorrow and no death. That is the focal point where we will see the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Backdrop, focal point. And we come to these promises And these promises are the connecting point from the backdrop to the focal point. And through these promises we begin to realize the wonderful way in which God is working. And here today we come to one of these key promises that provide the link for us to get us to where God wants us to be and where we want to be ourselves as those who are saved by the grace of God. And when we are looking at these verses here, they are promises given by God to his people in the time of need. And that's the wonder of the way in which God works. That when we're likely to forget his promises, he speaks to remind us that no matter how dark the moment, the day will dawn. So in these Verses today, I want to think of the promise of a king and the mission of God. And we want to do that, of course, in the context of 
discussing and thinking about the birth of Jesus in the manger at Bethlehem. I want to think, first of all, of the descent. Descent in the sense, where has he come from? Where do we trace his origin? And when we begin to do that, we begin to discover something of the marvel of the coming of the Son of God into the world, of the birth of Jesus. Everything here begins with the mention of a stump or the stump of Jesse. We go back to the end of chapter 6 and at verse 13, and what we find there is a tree that has been cut down and burnt. It's blackened. There's no life left in it. It's been flushed, cut flush to the ground, and it's burnt by the wrath and judgment of God, and there seems to be no more hope for it. And here we're connecting with that burnt stump, which is burnt because of the judgment of God. The judgment of God that we see in the experience of Assyria in chapter 10, where God takes the axe of his judgment and cuts down the enemy of the people of God to do away with them. So that God is saying to them, don't you worry about the Assyrians. I'll deal with them. I'll take my axe and I'll remove them and they will never trouble you again. But here we have the stump of Jesse. And we have not the stump of David, King David. Jesus is going to be descended from David. But this stump is not the stump of David. God is going further back. He wants there to be discontinuity between what happened in the house of David. He wants to go back to the very beginning and to create a new thing. To create a new kingship that goes beyond David and that goes back to the humble surroundings of the shepherding house of Jesse where he went at first to call David. It's the stump of the house of Jesse that speaks of poverty, it speaks of the judgment of God, it speaks of no hope of life. And there, in that place, in that environment, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. This king will be perfectly human. And out of the darkness that we see in the burnt stump of the judgment of God on, on his people in the Old Testament, where there is no hope, we see the sign of life coming out of the blackness and growing out of the stump. Job, in chapter 14, he speaks of the way in which there is hope for a tree if we cut it down that it will have new growth that will begin to grow once more and we can see that naturally a tree that is flushed with the ground suddenly it begins to grow with life that did not appear to be in the tree stump at all and here now there is coming forth as the child comes forth from the mother's womb, so Jesus is coming 
from the stamp of David a picture of fresh hope and fresh life. So that when Jesus is born in Bethlehem, there is that, that great news that is born for you in the city of David, a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. God gave a great promise to, to David in Second Samuel chapter 7. Someone who will come from you will sit on my throne and his throne and his kingdom will be established forever. Here he is, he comes from the house of Jesse, the humble origins of Bethlehem. And we, we marvel as we do come to, to Bethlehem at, at the way in which Jesus has come to be like us. The babe in the manger with all of the humanness that we have ourselves in his mother's arms in dependence upon her. And so that when, when the, the news is reaching Zechariah and his mother Mary of his coming, that there is that sense of, of joy that Zechariah is seeing that, that the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation and that, that David in writing in Psalm 132, I will make a horn to sprout from David. And here is the promise of God in the unlikely place Bethlehem, in the, the poverty and judgment that lies upon the people of God and the, the, the sinful world that emerges, Jesus of Nazareth. But that is not the wonder of his descent. The wonder of his descent is that a branch from his roots shall bear fruit when I think of the tree stump and life appearing as a shoot from the tree stump, I see the way in which that, that, that life comes from the stump itself. But when I begin to think of a branch from his roots bearing fruit, I have to go to the place where the life of this tree comes from and is found. I have to have I come to a place to where where this tree finds its, its nourishment and, and the whole source that gives, its life, that gives it life. And so I come to the branch that comes from his roots. And I have to ask this simple question, where are Jesse's roots? And we can trace Boaz and we can trace Ruth, and we can trace the roots of Jesse in that sense. But where ultimately do we find the root of Jesse? We find the root of Jesse in the promise of God and ultimately in God himself. So that this person who is born in the manger in all of his humanness is the one who comes forth from God, who is God himself, and who is found in the manger at Bethlehem, as the one who, who has all of our humanness, 
but who also has all the, the godness of God and all that God is in himself. And when I, I see this descent in that wonderful way and, and the marvel in which there are two things coming together in the one person, then it's time to worship God because here is the greatest mystery that the child in the arms of his mother is God himself and that that child has come to embrace us where we are as C.S. Lewis said in one of his miracle writings in the Christian story God descends to reascend he comes down down from the heights of absolute being into time and space down into humanity down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created himself the creator God has become the created one the king of kings the the mighty agent of God has come to rest in the arms of Mary his mother his descent and that is the branch that is going to bear fruit all of the other kings are in this burnt out stump of a tree that has been cut down but this branch he will bear fruit he will show what kings should be he will live as God's king in the world he will reign as God's king he will bear fruit because of who he is and he will bear fruit as we shall see because of what he does the descent let's wonder at the way in which the coming down of God in the child of the manger is such a wonderful moment that changes the world and that brings about a journey for him that means that we can be rescued from our sin from our failings, from our lostness, and become the children of God. The descent. Secondly, we see that there is dependence. He is going to bear fruit. How is he going to do that? And the wonder, part of the wonder of the child in the manger is that despite the fact that he is God and God-man together he is dependent upon God to bear fruit and if we leave the child in the manger without what's coming next he is not going to be able to do anything he is not going to be able to serve God he is not going to be able to live the life that he must live he's not going to be able to die the death that he's come to die but because of the way in which God has prepared him and equipped him, he can do that. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
the powerful person of the third person of the Godhead who is that communicating power and that creative power and who is that person who in creation hovered over the creation in Genesis 1 ensuring that there is creative product and produce from the land and also ultimately from Adam and Eve. The spirit that rests on David himself when he was anointed king. The spirit that equips a person to serve God in God's kingdom. As it equipped Moses, as it equipped David, as it equipped Joshua, as it equipped Samson, all of those who served God, they did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And such is the descent of the Son of God into the world to be our Saviour God, that he comes to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit in every step that he takes. The Holy Spirit shall rest upon him, coming to dwell with him forever. It's not something that's momentary. We read of Jesus at his baptism, and after his baptism, the the Spirit descends and rests upon him in the form of a dove, and we hear the, the message of heaven to him, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What is promised here comes to be fulfilled as we follow the journey of Jesus in the world. He is dependent upon God and upon the Spirit of God. And you and I today, as as the children of God, we have the promise of Jesus that he will send the Holy Spirit, the helper, who will teach us everything, who will help us with our prayers, who will help us to live the life that God wants us to live. The Holy Spirit that's going to remind us the the story of Jesus. Jesus promises us a helper as we believe in him. And that helper is the helper that he himself has had the privilege of the presence of throughout the whole of his own life. And I read of Jesus coming from his baptism, and with the power of the Spirit, he goes to be tempted in the wilderness. He comes from the wilderness, and he goes into the, the synagogue, and he, and he goes into to read Isaiah chapter 61. This day, is, these words are fulfilled in your ears. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Jesus knows every step that he's taking in the whole of his ministry, that he is dependent upon God. And that's how like us he is in every step that he does take, that he trusts in God the Father. He never acts without the support of God through the power of of the Spirit. He, He never thinks, he never does anything apart from the way in which he waits upon God. Morning by morning he awakens me. We read in Isaiah 50. 
He teaches. He, he, he is learning from God the Father by the power of his Spirit. And that is what equips him day by day to know what he should be doing and to help him in doing the very thing that God asks him to do. And the writer to the Hebrews captures this very whole thing in Hebrews chapter 9 where we where he, and speaking about Jesus who is the high priest who gives himself that through the eternal spirit he offered himself without spot or blemish to God. He has the help of the Holy Spirit in the manger and we can see that he needs help as every infant child does. But he is also helped by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. He is helped by the Holy Spirit when he engages in his ministry and when he's teaching all those who are around him. He is helped by the Holy Spirit when he is confronted with his enemies. He is helped by the Holy Spirit in every step of obedience. So that, as we read on through these verses, he has a spirit of, of wisdom and understanding. He has the intellectual knowledge and capacity and reasoning that enables him to do what he has come to do. He has a spirit of counsel and of might. He has that practical way of putting all of the intellectual knowledge and understanding and wisdom, putting it into practice and, and working out in, in daily life the things that belong to the kingdom of God for him as he lives his life. He is dependent upon God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. And were that not the case, he could not say that he's shared in our humanness. He lives by faith on God as we as the children of God live by faith on God also. And that's why he's our great example. He is the, the founder the author and the finisher of our faith. We watch him in the steps that he has taken, helped by the Holy Spirit, and we're inspired to follow in his steps. He is dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God in order to be God's king. And that dependence brings us to think of the way in which he lives his life, growing up and lives his life in his adulthood, and lives his life through it all of his ministry in the world. There is his descent, there is the dependence, and finally there is the devotion. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He is passionately devoted to God. It is the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He knows the God who is his father. He knows he has come from God. He has that, that knowledge in, in, his, in his mind and in his heart as to who he is and why he is here. And with that knowledge he has that fear of God which is the reverence and the devotion that he has to every task that God has given to him. It's that fear of God 
which is seen in the holiness of his life and in his commitment to everything that God has commanded him to do. And when we think of the, the fear of God, it, it captures everything about our commitment to God and the life of faith. But I want us to think today of, of the way in which the fear of God is used in a special way here. And it is used in connection with the way in which God speaks with regard to kings in Deuteronomy chapter 17. And there God says that when the king becomes king, he will write for himself a copy of the book of the law, the book of the king, the book of the law, and he will read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to fear the Lord as God keeping all the words of this law and doing them. The fear of the Lord is the knowledge that the king has of what God requires in his law and how he now is going to live in obedience and in faithfulness to that. And that knowledge of what the book requires is the way in which the king is going to learn to take every step of the way. And we can think of Jesus. We can think of him at home in Nazareth reading his Bible. And we can think of the child beginning at the beginning of the Bible and reading through the Bible and discovering at every step of the way the things that concern him, the things that are written about him, the kind of king that he should be and the kind of things that God wants his king to do. And in reading all of these, the child in the home in Nazareth is going to learn so much about himself and about where he is going and what he is going to do. And so it is throughout the whole of his life, reading and learning and studying and discovering what God requires of the king. And such, again, is, is the humanness of Jesus. That he reads his Bible in the same way that we do. That he learns the will of God the same way that we do. That he learns the purposes of God, the mission of God, the plan of God. That he does everything, did everything, as we are called by God to do the very same thing. And in Psalm number 40, we read the words that, that belong to the Lord Jesus. I have come to do your will, O my God. In the scroll of the book, it is written about me. Here is the scroll. Jesus is learning, step by step, what it means to be God's king. And when we follow the development of Jesus in his earlier years, we read that he, he grew strong and was filled with wisdom in Luke chapter 2. We go on to read further that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. We read that he grew in favor with God and with man. He is growing up, and he's growing up on, on the diet of the Word of God, with a life that, that means that he's in favor with God and God's favor is upon him and he's also got the favor of those who are around him. 
He is the remarkable child who is the son of God and the son of Mary. And he is devoted to the very word of God. And that devotion we see coming in verse 3 to the way in which he has delight in the fear of God. And delight is used here in the sense of something that's a perfume or something that's a precious odour that, that we can smell and it makes us feel good and we have so much pleasure in it. God accepted the sacrifice of Noah because he saw it as something that was pleasing and given in the right way. And here, this king, the, the son of the Lord Jesus, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. His whole power of perception in that spiritual sense of smell means that he always reacts with pleasure to the things that God requires of him. He sees beauty in the words of God. He sees beauty in God himself. And he sets his heart on doing all of the things that God has sent him to do. And he has the capacity for delight that is always growing and expanding in the way in which he delights in the things that God has written about him. And when we see that devotion that becomes this delight and the fear of God, and we, we think of Jesus learning the Bible, reading through the Bible, going through each verse and seeing what God says about him that he is going to do. And we come into this book itself and we, we see that, that the king is always God's servant. And we see in chapter 42 that the king is the servant of Jehovah, who is who's the loved one of God. And then we, we can think of Jesus reading Isaiah chapter 53 and the way in which God lays upon him the iniquity of us all. The way in which he is crushed for our iniquities. The way in which he makes his soul an offering for sin. And here is Jesus reading these words and this is about me kind of thing. It's the way in which he grows in his capacity to take in what the Bible says. And as he does so, he grows in his capacity to understand what God requires of him. And we, we see his, his devotion on the way to the cross at Calvary, where we see him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and where he is struggling with what, what it means to be the saviour of the world. And he says to God, Father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then he says to the disciples in, in John chapter 18, Arise, let us go from here. The cup that the Father has given to me, will I not drink it? He goes with determination because of his delight and of his devotion. And he goes to, to Calvary's cross because that is what the book, the scroll says about him. And that is the mission of God. And when we see him 
on the cross at Calvary, we see that he knows why he's there, because that's why he came. And now we are learning because we read the Bible with him and after him. We are learning that that's why he came. And, and our wonder as these stepping stones that take us from the wonder of, of Jesus in the manger to the wonder of his beautiful, perfect life to the wonder of, of the cross at Calvary to the wonder of, of the open grave on the morning of the resurrection and to the wonder of the fact that today he is the king of glory he is at God's right hand he became poor he emptied himself but now he's rich and he's rich with riches that he can give to us and that he's happy to share with us and so with the people of God who rejoice in the promises of the coming of the Son of God and the birth of the Lord Jesus we embark by faith on the journey of these stepping stones of wonder and we do it ourselves with the helper that helped him with his Holy Spirit that he has promised to us that will take us safely through the world that will help us understand what God requires of us and that will enable us every day to do the things that we cannot do by ourselves and so today we rejoice in the promise of the coming king we rejoice because he is successful in his mission and we are thankful for the, the marvel of his birth and the marvel of his life and the marvel of his death and the marvel of his glory and we join with the people of God if we are successful every day in reading the story and in ensuring that we reach the end of the story before we give up and therefore through faith in his name know what it is to have the hope of everlasting life dwelling in our hearts. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we rejoice in you as the giver of every good and perfect gift. We give thanks to you for the gift of your Son, and we pray that you will help us to receive and to accept the offer of the grace of salvation that comes to us through him and because of him. And bless our hearts today with the true joy of the kingdom of heaven, and the true joy of the birth of the Lord Jesus, and to have that joy in our hearts day by day from one end of the year to the other, constantly engaging with you and learning from you and about you and discovering the glory of your salvation and the riches of the inheritance that you have prepared for your people. So hear us and accept us. Have mercy upon us for Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>